Here's where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Our federal government has decided to remove two proposed amendments to Bill C-21, their gun control legislation. And while this is a cause to celebrate slightly less government control due to public pressure, we should put more pressure on our elected officials to scrap Bill C-21 altogether. Bill C-11, the internet censorship bill, has passed in the Senate and is awaiting final approval from the House of Commons. One liberal senator spoke out against the bill, and while we're happy for his voice, we should put pressure on our elected officials to scrap Bill C-11 altogether. Finally, the federal government has decided to delay the extension of doctor-assisted murder and suicide for people with mental illnesses until 2024. This is good news, but our country still legislates murder. And what should we do? Well, we should put pressure on our elected officials to scrap this made nonsense altogether. A corrupt state and failed legislation. That's what today's episode is all about. My fellow Canadian citizens, we need to wake up to what our elected officials want to bring into law, and we need to voice our collective displeasure with evil and lawless legislation. It's February 7th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, that's Matt Halleck, and this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you so much for joining us again on the program. It's a pleasure to have you along for the ride with us. Wherever you're getting our stuff from, please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, and hit the notification bell on YouTube to stay up to date with all our content over there. Also, be sure to get our stuff at YouTube, which is youtube.com at Liberty for Canada and our Rumble page, which is rumble.com slash user slash Liberty Coalition Canada. You can check out all our content there. You can also get our stuff at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. And you can go get our stuff on their handy app which you can get from your google play or your apple app store respectively so you can check out our content on demand on your phone through the fight laugh feast network app and we would suggest you do that because there's some really great programming over there also our website libertycoalitioncanada.com that's libertycoalitioncanada.com and you can check out all things liberty coalition over there also while you're over there we would ask that you would prayerfully consider leaving a donation um, at the top of the page you can click on the donate tab you can scan the qr code at the bottom of the page or go to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate 
uh, to check out that donation page and help us continue to build and grow our programming. Um, as we talked about on the last program, there's some instructions on the front page of our website which will direct you on how to best direct your donations so that the funds get to where you you want them to go. If you give through the website, it's easy enough. It, they'll be directed automatically to where you want to go. You just have to click on what you want to support, whether it's the shows or the programming or the various initiatives or legal work. But if you're going to send us a check or cash payment, stuff like that, you do have to follow those directions carefully. So where you want your funds to go, they end up going. So we would encourage you to do that. And then also, if you're going to reach out to us, which we absolutely do love, we love to hear from you. Go to mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com to reach out to us specifically about news and analysis stuff at a our various programs and you can also reach out to us if you need uh, help with churches or anything that's churches at liberty coalition canada.com and then if you do struggle uh, if you want uh, to know exactly how to do the donations please give at liberty coalition canada.com and we will reach out to you and help you understand how to do that uh, properly yeah and we just want to be clear about a, a, a couple things. First of all, with regard to the emails, there are a bunch of emails that have been coming in where the subject bar says LCC mailbag, mm -hmm. but the emails are going to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We want to remind you to send any podcast, any mailbag related emails to mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com and put whatever you want in the subject bar. But I want to repeat, do not, moving <laughs> forward, don't send LCC mailbag emails to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Any podcast questions, any feedback, any mailbag related stuff is mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And with regard to the donations, we just want to be clear that because Christian Week is our partner in media, any of the media that we do, our podcast, our analysis, in partnership with Christian Week means that if you want to donate and support this work that we do here, and you would like to receive a charitable receipt for it, or if you just want to support the podcast, the news and analysis we do, mm -hmm. that your checks, your e-transfers, your donations must be made payable to Christian Week because they are our partner in media and all of our media analysis is now under that umbrella. So we just wanted to clear those two things up. And then by way of our mailbag question, so again, reach us, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Maybe there's a particular piece of legislation that we're not going to cover in the episode today. Maybe it's something you've been hearing about, something you've been seeing. Let us know. Maybe it's something provincial. Maybe you're in BC, you're in Alberta, you're in New Brunswick, and you know that your provincial parliament is passing a troubling piece of legislation. Let us know. Bring it to our attention. If you think there's something that's working either through our federal parliament or in your provincial parliament, let us know. Tell us what the piece of legislation is called. Give us the bill number so we can look into it. We can address it. Mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com thinking about all of the very evil and lawless legislation that we are facing that we're going to be addressing even in our episode today. 
We understand that resisting tyranny and fighting for freedoms in Canada can be wearying. What we all need is some deliciously brewed fuel for our bodies and minds. This is why you need your beans from Resistance Coffee. Why would you buy coffee from people who hate freedom and the foundations of what make Canada a great country? Starbucks pays their employees to travel out of state to murder their babies. McDonald's won't let unjabbed parents visit their sick kids in Ronald McDonald clown hospitals. And Tim Hortons, who was tracking your movement through their app, also wouldn't let unboosted people attend their woke summer camps. So, spend your money on coffee that not only tastes way better than these Marxist companies, but also supports and donates to freedom in Canada. Head over to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC today. Get 10% off your first purchase and continue to use that slash LCC so that they know we sent you. That's resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. So Matt, we're going to be looking at two particular pieces of legislation and one issue regarding made which is what it's euphemistically called we know it is it's its true form which is mm -hmm. doctor assisted murder and suicide and so mm -hmm. we're going to be looking at a few of these pieces of legislation so the first thing we wanted to look at we've covered this we've talked about this at great length in multiple episodes when the handgun freeze was first announced we did a lengthy segment on it when they actually proposed their amendments that we're going to be talking about in a bit we did a lengthy segment on that as well and so here we are again we're talking about Bill C-21, and the Liberals have had to walk back a number of the amendments, and they'll give reasons for it, but we know it's bogus. We know the real <laughs> reasons why, but we're, mm -hmm. we're going to get into that. So the Liberal government, like I said, has decided to pull two amendments to the gun control legislation. That's Bill C-21. Here we have MP Talib Nur Muhammad, who announced the government's intentions to withdraw amendments G-4, and G46. Uh, I'm going to seek unanimous consent of the uh, committee uh, for the following motion. That in relation to clause by clause consideration of Bill C-21, an act to amend certain acts and to make certain consequential amendments, firearms, amendment G-4 currently under consideration by the committee be deemed withdrawn, and that amendment G-46, which has yet been moved, be deemed withdrawn from the package of amendments. Just to be clear, it is not our intention to move Amendment G46. So, by the way, that person who yelled out point of order was probably a lefty saying, wait, 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 hold on a second. No, we need to take their guns. What are you doing? Stop it. Don't stop this now. That's, that's my guess. So, uh, Government House Leader Mark Holland would go on to say this, quote, it is not our intention to impact those that are hunting and using firearms for hunting, and we acknowledge and regret that the consultations that we undertook were not sufficient and that there were gaps and problems in the amendments. That's why we retracted them. I would just say quickly, we didn't do sufficient work and there were gap, gaps, and pro, gaps and problems in our legislation, I think should be the motto for our federal government. We didn't study it enough. We didn't do enough work. And there were all these gaps and problems in the legislation. Welcome to the federal government that poisons most of what it touches. The amendment that he mentions, the first one, Amendment G4, aims to ban firearms, quote, capable of discharging centerfire ammunition in a semi-automatic manner, and that is designed to accept a detachable cartridge magazine 
with a capacity greater than five cartridges of the type for which the firearm was originally designed. And Amendment G46 is a rather voluminous 300-page amendment cataloging specifically banned firearms into the legislation, ranging from those banned in the 1990s through May 2020. So, Matt, I'm going to I'm going to throw you this pitch first. Okay. <laughs> Why do you think they are pulling back these two amendments, G4 and G46? What do you think the reason behind them saying, "Oh, you know what? We're sorry we didn't do our work. We'll pull it back." What do you think's mm. going on? Well, it's the Mott and Bailey. <laughs> that's that's what's going on here. So they got caught out in in the Bailey. So now they have to retreat back to the Mott. That is, they got caught trying to forward their aggressive, expansionistic removal and confiscation of a wide array of firearms. And it turned out it was so unpopular, especially, Andrew, with preferred special interest groups like Aboriginal groups. So they got trapped out in their bailey. Uh-oh, uh-oh, flee back to the mott. So now they're removing the most controversial amendments from the bill to try and again go back to their stronghold so their radical gun confiscation won't be seen for what it actually is but that's what i've been trying to tell people i know we've been raising the white or the red flags for a lot of this stuff is this is just temporary this bill c21 and this is why off the bat you said we need to push against this we need to fight back against this we need to stop this from happening because the fact of the matter is um we if we push back, if we continue to say this is totally inappropriate, that they would try and confiscate people's law-abiding citizens' weaponry for hunting, for for gamesmanship, for whatever it might be, in this way, we will not put up with it. Uh, because the fact of the matter is this framework for Bill C-21 is a framework will, that will ensure that as soon as they think it's politically expedient to push forward again their radical agenda to push forward that Bailey, they will do just that. So we have to understand that this is a game of politi political uh, gamesmanship. And the fact that people so widely spoke out really put the liberals back on their heels. And Andrew, I think it's really interesting that they, when they announced Bill C-21, they did it with great pomp and circumstance. And they they took it as a great, they, was, they had all sorts of congratulatory, congratulatory pats on the backs, pardon me, um, over this gun confiscation, this gun, bans all this stuff but now 
it was so unpopular with Canadian citizens. They've had to run back with their tail between their legs because it turns out people don't want this type of legislation. And the thing, Andrew, and maybe you can comment on this, I find it really, really interesting that our liberals and especially the progressives in Canada, they always decry, oh, oh, conservatives are trying to bring the, the American-type politics up to Canada. They're trying to bring the culture war up to Canada. And that's just so un-Canadian. But it's interesting, Andrew. I noticed that Canada doesn't have a lot of mass gun violence incidents. But it seems like every time there's something that goes down in the States, our government officials, progressives, are pushing to use what happens down South as the predicate for pushing further radical gun bans up here. And the same thing, Andrew, happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. You had progressive politicians in Canada tripping over themselves to denounce the loss of rights uh, for American citizens. So it's interesting, Andrew, when it's expedient, they're saying, oh, don't bring American-style politics up here in Canada. But these progressives, and Bill C-21 is a great example of it, use every opportunity, including what happens down south uh, of the 49th parallel, as the predicate for passing their radical agenda. And I'm glad that there was enough disquiet among Canadian citizens that even the liberals knew that they could not go forward by passing this bill in the, its current state. So it's good to see. But like I said, uh, I agree with you. Bill C-21 needs to go in toto. Well, I, I, I would agree with you that they will often mm -hmm. use what happens south of the border as the pretext for their legislative pushes. Yeah. I guess the one thing I'll say, and this isn't really pushback, it's just I think a different perspective, mm -hmm. is I would say in, in many ways what act, what happens in Canada does mirror what happens in the United States. And here's let me flesh that out. The reality is we don't see the same, the, the sheer number of gun-related violence here in Canada as we do in the United States. A part of that's a population issue. They're 10 times our size. And so right away, you could expect to see 10 times less just in terms of the sheer number of, of, of gun violent crimes happening. But I would argue that depending on where you live in Canada, it's similar to certain areas in the States. For example, Toronto has been on a steady incline in terms of gun related violence for the last 10 years. Every year it's been growing and growing and growing. And I would imagine that in the larger metropolitan areas of Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, right? These bigger cities that have pockets that might be a little slummier, let's say, right, where you might have a higher prevalence of gangs and drug-related activity, you'll actually see a surprisingly high amount of gun violence given the area. But like in the United States, outside of these, these big cities that are supposed to be gun-free zones, you don't see it the same way. If you remove Baltimore, Oakland, you know, New York, Chicago, Detroit, if you remove these cities, LA, from the United States, the amount of gun violence plummets. It actually significantly changes where the United States sits in terms of overall gun crime 
like it drops them from being number one or number two in the world to somewhere closer to the middle simply by getting rid of four or five cities. My, my experience growing up in Toronto was people owning guns. It was never really a thing. I never really heard of it. My friends didn't own guns. The only thing I knew was that people who maybe did hunting would have a rifle or two, you know, to go hunting, to drive a couple hours outside of the city. But when I moved to Kingston, a smaller town surrounded by a lot of land, a lot of crown land, everyone here has guns. I mean, everyone has guns for hunting, for target shooting, for fun. Even the number of gun stores not that far away from the city center is much higher than I remember in Toronto. Now, you don't have the same kind of violence. I mean, since I've been here in Kingston for 12 years, I think there's been one instance of gun-related crime, and it was someone who ended up taking his own life, and this is what made the big deal. After he had, I think he had shot or stabbed someone else, and then he took his own life. And this was a huge deal in Kingston, the first time in 10, 15 years. So my my understanding would be that if we compare Canada and the United States, it's similar. These bigger cities that pride themselves on being gun-free zones where you probably have a lower percentage of the population owning and possessing firearms is where you will see the increased numbers of gun violence. But parts of the country where it is more cultural to own a weapon, like parts of Alberta, you know, in the prairies, again, even where I am here in this part of Kingston, where because of the hunting, because of the military, because of the target shooting and the gun clubs, it's just a part of the culture. People own firearms. You're not, you don't see the same level of violence. And so in that regard, we're very similar to the states where, where you have leftist policies that run the day where people mm. are discouraged from owning firearms, you <laughs> see an increase of crime. But where you see parts of the country where firearm ownership in terms of responsible Canadians is higher and you have a higher prevalence of it, you don't. And it's the exact same thing in the states, right? Open carry mm -hmm. states are some of the safest states. Open carry cities are some of the safest cities. And so even though they try to co-op what happens in the states, the reality is the worst parts of gun violence in the United States are the same kinds of things we have here in Canada. Yeah. Right, so and 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 I, that's that, that's, that's going on. That's what really gets the point that we've made over and over again when we touch this issue. Gun violence is a pre-political issue. Um, guns are a tool that can be used for good or ill, uh, just like anything, just like kitchen knives. Um, they're a tool that can be good used for good and ill. Now, due to their power, that 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 just magnifies um, how they could be used. But um, you can't cure pre-political, cultural, human heart issues by passing regulation and legislation. And that is why no matter how many times leftists and progressives try to change man by changing his environment, it does not excise no. original sin and the sinful total people depravity of man. People have people long before guns. Yes. Guns are only just 100, 200 years old. We yes. have thousands of years of people murdering people with their bare hands. Yes, the gun absolutely. Isn't the thing. It's yeah. also curious, like you mentioned, that the our federal government, they play way overplayed their hand. And then they thought that the the minority group, right, the special privilege groups mm -hmm. would totally affirm them. You had a number of 
indigenous groups saying, wait a minute, we use these weapons for hunting. This is our land. You can't tell us what to do. And so mm-hmm. they thought, and I, it's, it, you know, I remember when they first announced this, they were, like you said, there was so much pomp and circumstance. Yeah. We've consulted all these groups. We've done all this research to determine mm-hmm. that this is the best course of action. And then they come out and they say, well, we didn't do enough work. Well, no, the problem is the only people they consulted were probably a bunch of woke leftists. Yeah statists they probably didn't have a lot of responsible conservative gun owners mm-hmm. consulted when they asked the question can we take away your ruger pc9 can we take away your canuck bullpup yeah. shotgun they're like no they weren't asking anyone those questions mm-hmm. who knew about firearms yeah and i mean it's just a load of hogwash like the liberals were gonna do what they always try and do and that is ram legislation down the throats of Canadian citizens while they're in power. That's always their play. That's always what they do. And they have much less, uh, they have much more hubris when it comes to doing that than anybody on the conservative aisle. And that's what creates this real imbalance in our nation is when the conservatives get in power, they try and, you know, stop the leftward pull of so many of these laws, so much of this legislation that is rammed down the throats of Canadian citizens, but they don't go hard enough in that direction. So by the time they're out of power again, yeah, exactly. They just tap the brakes, but the left is just going over the cliff, powering the smashing through their agenda over and over and over again. And that's, that's how Canada end up being, if it was a plane, it'd have two left wings. That's where we are at. Anyways, so that's your, the story. Let your, let your MPs know yeah. wherever you are in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could also let your MPP know, although firearms technically is a federal issue, even mm-hmm. though you have to be certified provincially. But in any event, mm-hmm. let your MPPs and your MPs know. Write them a letter and say to them, number one, I am happy that these two amendments have been removed from Bill mm-hmm. Bill C-21. But, but I don't support it because I'm a hunter and I use these weapons. They're helpful for me. My mm-hmm. friends use them. My, like These are a part of our lifestyle and this is what we do. We're not murdering people. So you let put pressure on our elected mm-hmm. officials and let them know we do not support. This is good news, but we want more. Mm-hmm. We want more of it. Yeah, and I think yeah. when it comes to your MPPs, just say – you need to stand up like Alberta's willing to do, like Saskatchewan's willing to do when it comes to firearms and say, we will not enforce this. We will not send our police forces. We will, you know, the province will send no money and no efforts and no resources to policing this. If you want to come get these guns, you do it feds. Um, and you do it against our wishes uh, because that is a good political uh, move on the, the province's parts. Well, let's talk about our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. I know that the mandates have dropped and it feels like we're back to normal. I'm sure you've wrestled with that or people have been saying, oh, it's back to normal. Everything's back to normal. But here's the truth. If you're in this audience, you know that's not true. We have the ugly veil of status scientism has been pulled back. And we know now we see the hideous face behind it. And we know there's no going back. We know there's no... 2019 normal those days are gone we actually see what's going on we also know it's only a matter of time before the Davos crowd tries to tighten the screws again if you have non-registered investments why would you continue to hold all of them in canada after witnessing the invoking of the war measures act 
be proactive and please call our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners and ask about how you can move some of your non-registered investments outside of Canada to add another layer of protection between your wealth and the federal government. Send Rocklink an email today and ask about how you can protect your assets offshore. Email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with the C. I had two more friends just the last two weeks ask me questions about Rocklink. Then they're like, do you really, do you really trust them? Are they really trustworthy guys? Are we were sitting outside with a buddy? We were we were drinking an adult beverage and 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 smoking a cigar together in the freezing winter. And he was like, Do you really trust them? We're thinking about I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. Give them a call, talk theology with them, and trust them with your investments. These are solid brothers. Connect with the guys over at Rocklink. Well, Andrew, in keeping with our theme on legislation that is currently before our federal government, we pick up on a story that we've also covered quite significantly on the show in previous episodes, two or three of them, and that is concerning the Bill Bill C-11. Now, sadly, we have to announce that the Senate has passed Bill C-11 on its third reading. But that's not the end of the story. The internet censorship Bill C-11, though passing the Senate, has done so with several crucial amendments. The bill passed with a 43-yay to 15-nay vote, uh, despite a push to stop it from getting through the third reading and sending it back to the House before Senate approval. Um, But the fact of the matter is, what happened is the Senate did pass the bill Though they did require the House to take up what appears to be a dozen amendments and even some liberal members of the Senate, Andrew, had strong criticisms of the bill. And I think this is really refreshing to see. And, you know, the interesting part about this bill, Andrew, there is bipartisan pushback against the government to take these steps to regulatory capture of online content um, because it will absolutely change the nature of online content broadcast publications and the relationship between um, content creators and the government. Uh, So it is really interesting to see. You're seeing Google and YouTube who are quite often the big tech bad sensors who are in cahoots with government officials, as we've seen, um, especially with the Twitter files, releasing a lot of that stuff. Um, they're speaking against this. You're seeing members on the liberal side of the aisle, liberal media members talking about how devastating this bill would be. And now we it's have very confusing, by the way, because if Google and YouTube <laughs> and the left doesn't like it, I feel like I should love it. Like as a general, as one of my general life principles is: if the left despises it, embrace it, and mm-hmm. the left embraces it, despise it. But yeah. in this instance, 
a little more torn about it. it's not so not so black and white well well especially the one can understand in this way that the bill as proposed now would so change what youtube actually is as a platform that you can easily understand that oh whoa this has huge ramifications this is no little step uh, that the government is taking to put uh, the CRTC at atop all broadcasts, including online streaming. This has dire and drastic ramifications because YouTube is known as this great hub of independent online content where you can go and the algorithms are attuned so you know if you're showing interest in drumming videos they're going to show you more drumming videos if you're showing interest in uh paint pouring or cooking videos they're going to suggest things according to your own interest so it creates this uh environment where people get hooked in and continue to watch youtube programming continue to engage on the platform but the bill would essentially force Google and other big tech companies to so change their algorithms to promote Canadian content that that aspect of, you know, a market interaction between users and what content they want to see would be so heavily manipulated that it would totally change the structure of the platform. So yes, I'm with you, you know, Google's against it. It, it ought to be a good thing, but that's bad logic. And we know that, uh, right. cause that, so, yeah. so we can't just jump 90, to 90, 90% of the time. <laughs> It works. It might be, yes. Yeah. But uh, in this case, it's so it drastic. Not. It does not. And that's why I think you're seeing liberals like Senator David Richards speak out and express their dire concerns over this bill and what it would mean for Canadians. So I want to play you. You cut up the video. You showed a part of his speech. We'll put in the description the full speech if you want to check it out. And you'll actually be able to get the manuscripts because we'll um, – actually include the Senate debates if you want to read through all that uh, drudgery. But check out this speech. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I have a good deal of problems with this bill. Um, I think it's uh, censorship passing as a national inclusion. Like Orwell's proclamation, the very bill suggests a platform that decrees all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And Bill C-11 certainly spells what that. they might be. I'm not speaking solely of the internet because I'm too old to know it. However, this will bleed over into any performance we tend to create, and we will have government officials holding a book of rules telling us if we are Canadian enough. This is not opening the gate to greatness, but only to compliance. The writers I know don't need to advance to fit an agenda, and neither do the songwriters or bloggers. When this bill mentions how we have evolved, it is simply a suggestion to comply. Some of those who have so evolved into the new Canada have torn books away and slashed many writers I, I admire. An evolution of sanctimony and an advancement in quelling the voices we might disagree with. By this bill, we have ensured the very realms we have fought to dispose of for the last 70 years. C-11 might be more subtle than the German Stasi or the Cultural Committee of the former Soviet Union, 
but never think it is not intertwined. The very bill suggests a favoritism brought forward by a notional knowledge of what Canada should be and what groups we are now allowed to blame. It also just suggests that there is no communication or interplay between writers of different ethnicities, that identity politics is positive because it teaches a bland society about new voices or about trauma which only certain people are allowed to say they know. It is a balkanization of freedom of expression. It is so narrow-minded that it defeats the very thing it proposes. And there you have it. Uh, he goes on. It is quite a compelling speech, and I think it's well put. And he actually touches on a lot of historical uh, figures, and uh, he really highlights the fact that this is an unprecedented step that our Canadian government is taking mm-hmm. to create regulative regulatory capture on Canadian citizens' content. Um, and the interesting part is, like I said, bipartisan support against the bill. YouTube creators across the platform, um, uh, across the spectrum of political takes are against this bill. And what they're trying to say is we've built our platforms. We've created this content. People have liked this content. We don't need you government with this Gnostic Gnosis knowledge, like uh, uh, Senator Richards is trying to say that you're going to have some sort of bureaucrat who can determine what's Canadian content and what's not Canadian content deciding this and forcing these platforms to, I bet without great clarity, (laughs) change their algorithms and change how they do things. So I think there's a huge, huge danger in this, Andrew. Um, Canadian Heritage Minister, and this is the minister, Pablo Rodriguez, he is the one who's been pushing this bill forward. And he had this to say, he hopes that the House will of Commons will pass the bill next week after it reviews the Senate's changes. Rodriguez said Thursday that the Liberal government would not accept all of the Senate's recommendations, but he didn't say which ones he disagreed with. We'll see when the bill comes back. There are amendments that have zero impact on the bill and others that do, and those we will not accept, Rodriguez says. The government... Sorry, the Senate also removed a clause in the bill that Senator Paula Simmons described as giving extraordinary new powers to the government to make political decisions about things concerning media. So that is really, really interesting, Andrew. Basically, Rodriguez here says, yeah, sure, we might accept some of those amendments that don't actually change the bill significantly, but anything that would change the nature of the bill, we would not accept. So well, because he knows that they have the House of Commons, right? So yes, so they, they, they can they can essentially run Just, through whatever they want. And so in many ways, they were I, I think that the the liberals of the House of Commons were sitting there biting their nails like just just please let the Senate give it. That's all. We just need their thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. Now we ram it through. Like, so they're, they're, yeah, they're mm. going to, they, they might not, whatever, whatever amendments, whatever suggestions have come from the Senate, the house of commons can wipe their derriere with it if they want and just ram it through anyway. So 
which is probably what will happen, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I want to play a clip, Andrew, that you you put together from expatriate uh, Jordan Peterson. I'm still sure he's a citizen, but he probably spends most of his time now um, in the United States. Especially, he's never going to live here again. He's yeah, never going to yeah. come back and live here. Which again. is fair after being drugged through the mug, mud like mm -hmm. he has and, you know, still still being attacked by some of the regulatory bodies here in Canada, which is like, listen, we've seen it over and over again. These supposed neutral, independent regulatory bodies have been totally captured by government and they've been yielded as political, wielded as political weapons against those who don't have right think. We've seen it over and over again and the CPSO is just one perfect example of it. So why should we trust this government when it comes to this outlandish regulatory capture on this bill. But anyways, let's play Jordan Peterson's comments uh, during his discussion with Rex Murphy on his show, because I think they're very clarifying about what the bill uh, actually gets at. Now, as far as I can tell, reading, the, reading Bill C-11, which is an unbelievably vague document, if a internet service provider, a private a one, so a small business, I just want to he said something before they get into it um, he, when he said it's an unbelievably vague bill. I just want to let our audience know that both Matt and I spent quite a bit of time <laughs> yes. over the course of two days trying to dig and find what were the specific amendments that the Senate kept or that they didn't like. I mean, we read through the transcripts of the first, second, and third sitting in the Senate. We, like in the first reading and the second reading and the third reading, mm -hmm. we read through that. We scoured articles, probably read through about 10, 15 articles. And this is CTV, National Post, the Post Millennial, like all, all, all the players. Looked at on the debate sides. sessions, 94, 95, 96. We couldn't <laughs> find. So yeah. when Jordan Peterson mentions vague, we couldn't it's it's it was slippery it's like we couldn't find some actual handles on the thing to be able to bring to you and say here it is this 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 is a problem this mm -hmm. this isn't a problem so this as peterson points out is one of the issues with this bill and it's one of the with similar issues with bill c4 it's by being intentionally vague you allow the tyrants to define the terms and put whatever boundaries they want around it and, and as we opposed ha to having very clear definitions. We have to understand that uh, this is a play that progressives have done for a long time. The limitations clause in the charter, extraordinarily right. vague. Why? Because they can he hold this vague threat above people's head as the stick to fight them back and then it gives the supreme court and all sorts of judicial activists tons of leeway to interpret the law however they see fit so they can become oligarchs who are legislating as philosopher kings from the bench and essentially legislating in the judicial branch which has always been against the se separation of powers but that takes place commonly in Canada because of these vague, poorly written laws. It is part of the play. The more vague the law, the more wiggle room in the joints, and the more likely um, judges are going to give deference to 
the government to just do whatever they see fit. And that's the real worrisome part about this. And that's the same thing that when we've talked to people on the program about uh, former uh, Bill C4, the conversion therapy pan, um, it's the same way. So vaguely worded, you could drive a Mack truck through it. Um, and now people are like, well, it might not outlaw people preaching on Romans 1, 18 through 32. But it might. And that's the problem. It's vague law equals bad law. And yet that's part of the game because it allows them to do this Mott and Bailey approach. Let's continue with uh, Peterson. This person, like me, let's say, doesn't broadcast in French and English ah. and in indigenous languages and to any diverse range of people with disabilities oh, and my. highlight Canadian content then the government can do what it needs to do to deprioritize their distribution. And they'll do that by putting pressure on the uh, search engine providers like YouTube and Google yeah. or just stopping them altogether. And yeah. I read this bill and all of it again, Rex, too. The bill is couched in all this diversity, inclusivity and equity terminology, which cultural it, it's the same solution to every problem. Right. Cultural and so Marxism. not only do we have this massive press collusion with the government, that's absolutely unconscionable in a Western democracy. Mm -hmm. And and but we also have now the government clamping down more viciously than in any other developed country mm -hmm. on the freedom for Canadians to get access to all of the all of the information on the internet not just that produced by canadians and there is the real worrisome part about the bill is the crtc is going to have absolute regulatory control over absolutely everything on the internet um and there you in in typical cultural marxist form they're they're trying to couch this as a beneficent government going against big tech and making sure that big streaming platforms like netflix will have to fund canadian content but what we need to understand is this is like mercantilism, putting tariffs on content to ensure that Canadian content is prioritized as defined by the Canadian government. It's interesting that it's the big broadcasters now who are already captured by CRTC who are the biggest proponents of this bill, Andrew, because they're saying those darn online content creators, they're making use of this new platform and we're, we're subject to all this regulatory capture. So instead of getting rid of all this nonsense, they're saying, well, you better capture everybody else under it so then we can compete with them in actually we'll end up overtaking them because as Jordan Peterson's talking about, it's these big legacy media outlets who have the flexibility to broadcast in multiple different languages, uh, to have a wide variety of all sorts of different programming that would, you know, capture all these different niche markets that apparently the CRT is mandating that people do. So there's all sorts of questions. And the amazing part is I was reading through the debates, Andrew, not only is it vague legislation, terribly poorly written, but the senators, and this was bipartisan, conservative and liberal, who were against this bill, were saying, can 
you guys have said that the the goal is to not capture in this legislation uh, legislation individual content creators and people using social media platforms but the bill is so vaguely worded that it can capture that especially in its old um, form which was bill c10 in the last assembly but it doesn't explicitly say that it's only going to capture the big guys and not the little guys. Can you make it clear in black and white that that is the case? And guess what the liberals who were supporting this bill said? No, we won't do that. We've been clear. We've said it. Trust us. Baloney. They won't put it in writing. They won't clarify the bill. And that's because they have a political agenda that we have to understand. Yeah, my my thoughts to just wrap up this story before we move on, if uh, if you'll allow me to put on my jewel encrusted tinfoil crown just for a moment, is that the vagueness of this legislation and the affording of rather large and indefinite powers or undefined, not clearly defined powers to the CRTC inevitably will lead to the further squashing of rights and freedoms and liberties like freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And for anyone who would say, no, 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 but that's not what's going on here. You've probably been asleep for the last three years because the same crazies back in March and April of 2020 who were saying, if we hand over our freedoms to the state, they will gladly take them and continue to press the line more and more in the wrong direction. And sure enough, it went from 14 days to flatten the curve to you can't fly or go to a restaurant unless we violate your informed consent, medical autonomy, and bodily privacy. And that happened fairly quickly. So by giving the CRTC these vague and undefined powers, like Matt, you said, what is Canadian content as defined by the Canadian government? If the Canadian government decides that something which is anti-LGBT affirming is not Canadian content, then the CRTC has the power to regulate it. Or if what it means to be Canadian is to be pro-baby murder, then any content that is anti-baby murder, which is not Canadian, now the CRTC has the power to regulate it. And so for people, so I'm thinking specifically of churches, preachers, or people who have YouTube channels where they talk about theology and the Bible and things from a Christian worldview, you should be concerned that you might find yourself within the sights of the CRTC in a not very long time, yeah. because I can tell you that if there's one thing that our prime minister would say is that those who subscribe to a biblical worldview have a worldview that is antithetical to what he would say is Canadian. So mm -hmm. this, if I could quickly, as a launching pad, say this is one of the reasons why you have content creators or you have people in the podcasting, in the news, in the media analysis world who see the importance of having to grow their audience and build their brand through the support of like-minded people so that we don't have to, A, rely as heavily on the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Twitters mm -hmm. to spread our stuff, but also so that we can be anti-fragile and that we can be cancel-proof by establishing our own systems. And so this is one of the reasons why 
we say, please really consider supporting the work here at Liberty Coalition Canada. We want to build something strong Mm -hmm. to be able to push back because our dissenting voice will not be welcomed by our authorities and it won't be well accepted by the CRTC. So we need the help. Yeah, we need the help and support of you Mm -hmm. to build us up strong so that we can be cancel proof, that we can push back against this so that we Mm -hmm. can continue bringing you the sort of stuff that the CRTC is going to say is un-Canadian. Yeah, so this this is where it's going. We're the type of programming that would be first to be canceled. Um, And also, Andrew, you may bring up a good point. How does this bill, now that Bill C-4, the conversion therapy bill, has been passed and it's in law, in criminal code, how does this bill, Bill C-11, intersect with now the criminal code in that respect? Right? Right. right, Government said, you can't gather in your churches. You have to go do church online. Now that you're doing your streaming online, everybody's got streaming. Oh, you preached a biblical view of sexuality that's harmful uh, mythology that yeah, calling forwards. people to abandon a certain worldview in order to embrace this this stereotype of normative marriage yeah. and sexuality all of a That's, sudden you're, you're supporting con- conversion therapy yeah all of a sudden your content can't be shown online we're going right. to regulate it because it's un-canadian content that is uh dividing canadians how about covid we yeah. exist on online platforms that we're, we're speaking out against the mainstream media narrative. All these 150 platforms that have been captured by our government who has paid their bills over the pandemic and who soft pedal everything and tow the company line on COVID. Well, I mean, our government said anything that's outside their approved narrative is misinformation. And misinformation is clearly antithetical to the Canadian agenda, right? So why wouldn't the CRTC be able to say, yep. you know, not only do, do we have to put warnings on our YouTube videos when we're talking about COVID, but why can't they say, oh, Rumble's captured under this too. Mm-hmm. All these different platforms are captured under this. Therefore, you can't put out any of this content but on it's, any but it's protected platform. if it's American, though, right? Like GoFundMe, like GoFundMe would have been protected from people from the Canadian government putting pressure on them to release the funds for right, like for a convoy. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. Yeah. So don't like this. And if you listen politely, as kind as I can, if you mm-hmm. don't think this is where it's going, then you probably have five shots, two masks, plastic gloves, <laughs> and you hand sanitize into oblivion. Because anyone who's not totally brainwashed and asleep understands this is where it's going. Yeah. Be ready for it. Yeah. And and we're just reading the tea leaves. That's it. They've showed us over and over again that this is what they're going to do. And it's just like all we're doing is believing them. When they say something, we believe them. And it's not a conspiracy theory to just read what they're putting out there and say, okay, we believe that that is what you want to do. So anyways, we have more stories to cover. (laughs) This seems like a good time to talk about our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Born out of the desire to separate money from the state, Bitcoin epitomizes freedom money, an uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, 
is a 100% self-funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet in their own possession. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money because you own the money. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and get started with your account's creation today. Contact Bull's best in the business customer support team at any point to request assistance throughout the process. Take control of your money. Mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. So this last story, it's probably not going to take too, too long because just a couple weeks ago, we did an entire episode on mm -hmm. the made madness and the, yeah. the insanity that is doctor-assisted suicide and murder. So what we want to talk about, similar to Bill C-21, is a little spot of good news, but really just a temporary band-aid, a pumping of the brake, when really it's inevitable unless we... You, unless we universally and together put pressure, voice our displeasure. And so what we're going to talk about, and this was just a couple days ago, is that a number of the inclusions in the doctor-assisted murder legislation, which was set to expand March 17th of this year, have been pulled back and delayed until 2024. So the Liberal government wants to delay the expansion of doctor-assisted murder and suicide legislation by one year for those struggling with depression and mental illness. So if you recall, as of March 17th, if you're over the age of 18 and you're depressed and you have mental and a mental illness, that would be sufficient grounds for you to have a doctor help you kill yourself in Canada. And the Liberal government is saying, well, we're going to wait before we implement that. We're going to wait till 2024. Justice Minister David Lametti said that, quote, It is clear more time is needed to get this right. The proposed one-year expansion is necessary to ensure that we move forward on this sensitive and complex issue in a prudent and measured way. It will provide time to help provincial and territorial partners and the medical and nursing communities to prepare to deliver made in these circumstances. Lametti went on to say that the delay will allow ongoing studies of the risks of extending MAID to this group of people to be completed. If you like whatever studies they should have done, they should have done them already. But if anyone's irresponsible, it's the federal government. He said, quote, the safety of Canadians just comes first. Where, where, where have you heard that before? Oh, yeah, the last three years. He continues, that's why we're taking the additional time necessary to get this right. Here's another quote from Dying with Dignity, a pro-murder group. This is what they had to say about the expansion being delayed by a year. For the small group of people across Canada who suffer from treatment-resistant mental disorders and who want the right to apply for MAID, this delay serves to extend their suffering. For this, we are deeply saddened. Now that sounds nice and compassionate, <laughs> but let's, so let's be clear about this. All they're saying, and again, this is good. And here's why this is good. Because for the next year, anyone who's over the age of 18 cannot legally go kill themselves or have a doctor murder them 
because mm-hmm. of depression and mental illness. That is good news mm-hmm. because the, uh, I, when we talked about this in the last episode and actually preached a sermon on this a couple weeks ago. There mm-hmm. are people, there's a 21-year-old boy in BC, a 21-year-old young man in BC, a 37-year-old, a 37-year-old homeless man in Aurelia. They were just waiting for March to come around so that they could have a doctor murder them. So this will be delayed. So hopefully, hopefully that extra year will make people rethink that people can come alongside and counsel them and love them and help convince them to not do this. So that would be Mm -hmm. great. But it also just prevents or it it, it will lower the number of people who will die this way in the next year. So that's good. But like with all incremental legislation, so uh, even thinking about pro-life legislation yes it is good if less babies died this year than last year that's obviously Mm -hmm. good but the goal is not let's be happy with moving the ball one yard the goal is get it to the end zone and the Mm -hmm. end zone in this case is putting pressure on our federal government on our mps telling them this is evil this is wrong you cannot do this people have bad days bad weeks bad months They even enter into situational seasons of depression and anxiety that are real and intense. Mm -hmm. You cannot allow, I mean, first of all, this legislation, the goal is it's illegal to murder anyone. It's illegal to take innocent life. That's the goal. But at the Mm -hmm. very least, if we can say, listen, no, no, this is bad. You Mm -hmm. cannot allow for any of this extension. This is dangerous, dangerous stuff. Because all of this language about compassion and death with, with dignity, it's nonsense. Death is yeah. the enemy. It's not something to cozy up to. Uh, this, is, this is total hogwash. Christianity and actually a lot of philosophical arguments concerning suicide have always regarded suicide as self-murder. So if mm-hmm. murder is wrong, it's wrong to kill yourself. And uh, Andrew, this speaks to the uh, schizophrenic nation or nature of our society. The fact that on on a dime we jump between highly ra- ir- irrational concepts of emotivism and super rational, like oh, we're just science, you know, science, 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 everything like that. Is our Supreme Court has ruled that it's violative of human dignity for mass murderers or terrorists to be given the same death penalty that people are choosing through May. Mm-hmm. So the question is, or my argument, and this is what I've been thinking about, if it's the means, so giving somebody a lethal injection is in the case of applying it to murderers or terrorists undignified then the means itself cannot make something dignified so why do we have to go through all this legislative process to so people can die by lethal injection if in and of itself it's not it's not dignified because what it's the same thing as babies, Matt. It's the same thing as saying that a baby only has value if the mother wants it, mm-hmm. but if the mother doesn't want it, it can be discarded. It's it's insane. Yes, madness. It's yeah, absolutely. Thing. Well, because because my argument here is if if what makes a death dignified is the 
the choosing uh, to die by a autonomous individual that it's not the 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 means of how one's disposed you could hang yourself you could blow out your brains you could stab yourself to death slit your wrists that wouldn't be any less dignified because what we're saying is well it's not lethal injection that makes a death dignified because if that was the case then how could the supreme court actually say that lethal injection for murdering or terrorizing somebody could be undignified. So that's that's my argument. We're, our society is so schizophrenic that we, on one sense, we're saying the worst offenders in society, it's a totally out of bounds to give them lethal injection. But if somebody wants it, it's morally acceptable. Right, it's and it's dignified. exactly the same thing with the baby thing again, <laughs> yeah, right? To, exactly. You can murder the baby, mm -hmm. but not not the rapist yes right yeah that's, that's that's the argument that if someone if someone rapes or it's incest mm -hmm. don't don't have that person receive the death penalty yes yeah rather give it to the the pre-born yeah. child it, and, it, it is it is complete chaos and, it is, and andrew it is I've, I've in in my thousands of conversations that i've had with ordinary canadian citizens on abortion i've been able to point that out is it's interesting how people are willing to give the death penalty to an innocent pre-born child for the crimes of a father, which we understand in any other situation would be wholly unjust. But in Canada, we're unwilling to give the death penalty to the guilty rapist. It it's so crazy. The logic is so baffling and so insane that we can euphemistically call this healthcare and talk about it in glowing terms and as compassion it's enough to beggar the mind and the thing is andrew i noticed something even here locally in in manitoba cbc or cgob pardon me which is global a global conglomerate here it's one of the biggest radio stations they're doing a whole segment over the next coming month about getting old and dying with dignity aging with grace you know what's a part of that made you know what? I just listened to the Roy Green show. Roy Green's trying to push made on everybody. It's almost as though we're delaying this window because there's been so much pushback. And now we've got to do a media blitz on why it's appropriate for people to engage in self-murder. And as Christians, we would say it's never appropriate to do that. Um, even so Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 40, question 105. What does God require in the sixth commandment? This is concerning mur murder, that neither in thoughts nor words nor gestures much less in deeds. I dishonor, hate, wound, or kill my neighbor by myself or by another. So that's using an assassin or paying somebody to, to kill somebody. But that I lay aside all desire of revenge. Also that I hurt not myself. You don't have that uh, ability to commit suicide, nor willingly expose myself to danger, wherefore also the magistrate is armed with the sword to prevent murder. So instead of preventing murder, um, our government's giving the big thumbs up to that. And instead of actually wielding the sword of justice against murderers and rapists and the unrighteous, our government is saying, no, that's beyond human dignity. You see how perverse our government is? You see how anti-Christ our government is? It's mm -hmm. it's literally calling 
good that which is evil and evil that that which is good. And yet we have Christians who are like, Romans 13, meh, hmm. meh. Obey the, you know, well, we, I think there's, how there's, are we there? <laughs> there's two, I think there's two levels here that we need to address. At the top level, when mm -hmm. we think about legislation and our elected officials, what we have is a worldview that is a culture of death. All right. So this, at the end of the day, Satan, who has influence and power over those who are not in Christ, because he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning, that's what Jesus said in John chapter eight that he will push this culture of death, murder preborn babies, murder newborn babies if they have some sort of physical disability, sterilize and castrate boys and girls, murder old people, engage in sexual activity which doesn't reproduce so that way you limit the number of new people who are created. It's about death, 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 and death, death and destruction. It's a culture of death. So that's high level. Now, people who are pursuing doctor-assisted murder and suicide, and some people, not all people, but some people who are pursuing baby murders, they're not thinking, we're influenced by a culture of death, depopulation, we need to empty and deform the earth. They're not thinking that. So what's going on at this level? Why is it that it becomes socially acceptable? What is it about the human condition that looks at murdering old people or murdering people who have mental illness or who are depressed or who have some sort of physical deformity or abnormality or the taking of a preborn baby? What's a common thread through all of them? Well, the common thread is that people who are weak and finite, we do everything we can to run away from difficulty and suffering and pain and discomfort. Anything to make our lives comfortable and easy and pain-free, we're for it. And so the taking of life of someone who's old, who's suffering, both the person themselves who is suffering because of whatever ailment they have at 80, 90 years old, and the family members who have to deal with the emotional grief of seeing the person suffer, what's, what do they say? Anything to end the suffering. Anything. And this, this is going to sting some people. They're not going to like this. But it is a short-sighted human weakness mentality that says, just remove suffering from me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to experience it. I don't want to see grandpa in pain because it hurts me. It makes me sad. I don't want to see the suffering. I don't want to see this person going through difficulty, whether it's emotional or physical. And it's the same thing with baby murder. I don't want to have to suffer in carrying the baby for nine months and then suffer in the delivery and then suffer in having to give birth to the child and then suffer in having to give the child up for adoption or suffer by having to raise the child and have it affect my life. That's the common thread here. It's human weakness. It's an aversion to pain and suffering that drives why people make these decisions. But as Christians... Mm -hmm. We understand we that serve God a suffering servant. <laughs> God graciously mm -hmm. brings suffering into our lives to refine us, to shape us. Mm -hmm. Even the most painful of circumstances, even people who in their old age are suffering with multiple ailments and are in pain, even that those who follow Christ who've been in those situations could attest to the fact that they've experienced the mercy and the grace of God and the presence of Christ in their lives through that suffering, 
-hmm. we cannot, we can't live a life where we distance ourselves from suffering and pain that we cannot live that kind of sterilized life. We understand that life is sacred from the moment of conception to natural death. Mm -hmm. Life and death are in the hands of the Lord. He appoints a man's borders. Mm -hmm. Ours is to embrace our lot in life and to not just bristle against suffering because it's uncomfortable or difficulties and trials because we don't like them, but mm -hmm. to trust the Lord through them that he'll give us whatever we need to do what he has us to do. Yeah. And that means embrace the pain and the suffering as well. And we can't be short-sighted. Mm -hmm. We need to be compassionate to people who are in the midst of it, mm -hmm. but we can't say to them, oh yeah, just whatever you can do to alleviate, eliminate the suffering is ideal. No, that's, that's need, not actually good. We need to introduce them to the suffering servant because it's mm -hmm. through the, the, the act of Christ suffering on the cross on our behalf, dying the death that we deserve. Um, that God won the ultimate battle over sin and death. So that is uh, an essential understanding that we must take away from this. Um, he, secondly, human beings are not autonomous. We're not autonomous. We don't. We're not those who self-govern, or we're not laws unto ourselves. So the premise that would say this is good because we're autonomous beings. It's, it's flawed right at the basis, right off, based off of its first presupposition. And then to answer a fool according to a folly, how ableist is this argument, Andrew? It's grossly ableist. If, you, if you're going to have dementia, you should kill yourself? What? Because anybody with dementia is less of a human being? Yeah. They're not, the they have Down no dignity? babies before they're born? Yeah, that, well, sounds, I, I, that sounds like a bigot to me. I, uh, yeah, I've spent tons of years working with people with disabilities. I have great compassion on them. Are you saying that people who are not completely able are somewhat less dignified, someone, somewhat less human than able-bodied people? That's totally absurd. Yep. But our government is saying that. We're enshrining that into law through these MAID programs because we're saying – if you find yourself in this situation, you you have our sanction to kill yourself. You see how perverse that is? You see how what's underlying compassion is a total disregard for the dignity of human beings made in the image of God. It's the opposite of compassion. It's totally disgusting. It's totally ableist and it's totally utilitarian. How about people who have died painful deaths? Were they any less dignified deaths? Mm -hmm. How about gory deaths? People who are killed on the battlefield, their arms and legs blowing off, or who died by being exploded on a landmine. We used to honor those people. Are we suggesting that their lives were, were any less because they didn't die in a dignified way? This is cowardice exposed as as dignified strength, and it's, it's compassion which it, it, it's it's labeled compassion but it's anything but and that's well, the real the insidious nature of, of it the hijacking of that word i was talking about this with someone recently the word mm -hmm. compassion comes from the latin with from suffering <laughs> to suffer to suffer with yes yeah right? to suffer with someone so compassion is not will end the suffering and make it easier yeah compassion is as you suffer i will suffer with you alongside mm -hmm. you so this as a final call out to our audience, specifically those 
who, because they have received the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and have been called to be like him and share in his sufferings, what we want to say to you is, especially now that this window has been extended, do everything in your power to indeed suffer with those who are wrestling with issues of mental illness, who are depressed, who are physically suffering, mm -hmm. those elderly people in your life who are hurting and old with multiple ailments, do your best to suffer with them, love them, care for them, pray with them, pray for them, laugh with them, cry with them. Do not buy into the lie that the suffering and the difficulties are to be discarded or sanitized or covered or hide it. I can't deal with it. Just hide it from me. I don't want it. No, no, no. That's not how we. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. No, we step in. We suffer with. Mm -hmm. Life is valuable and is worthy of dignity and worth. That's how we operate. That's and how we fight against this worldview with the mm -hmm. right worldview and the right actions. And the counter intuitive nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in entering sufferings, you're entering the pangs of Christ, and you're being made more like unto your Savior. And that is a thing to be celebrated um, rather than mourned. Um, mm -hmm. And you can die with dignity if it's painful. You can die with dignity if it's ugly. But there is no dignity in disobeying God's law and mm -hmm. taking your life into your own hands recklessly against what the Lord has commanded in his law. So we need to change the conversation. We need to show them that this these are lies. This is calling that which is evil good and good that which is good evil. And we need to win these cultural wars and have these conversations as Christians that we can change the trajectory of our country, because in each one of these situations, we see two sets of bills that were postponed and, and pushed back because of outcry, because legislatures are trying to ram down legislation without doing, you know, the proper homework. They're totally irresponsible. They're trying to push an agenda that is not popular and that is extraordinarily dangerous. But it's not good enough for us to just say okay good they're gonna wait till next year to start killing people with um, depression no we can make we that cannot happen in our country we have to push back against it and we have to push back against baby murder gun confiscation um internet censorship this stuff cannot be allowed to happen and the god the lord god in his mercy has given us a reprieve in some of these things and we need to take advantage of it in the most um you know effective ways that we can so we would encourage you to keep reaching out to your politicians keep speaking out against us and keep supporting the work that we do here so we can be a voice for you into the canadian culture um and standing up for uh what is right in in our culture so we do thank you for tuning in until next time galatians 5 1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. 
Friends, we're posting new content multiple times every week throughout our various shows on this channel. So you're going to want to subscribe to it and hit that notification bell. That way you stay up to date with everything that we're releasing here with the Liberty Coalition Canada.